turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Welcome to Trouble Tuesdays, the night that I reserve to answer all of your questions about love, sex, and relationships. 514-800 to text in. You can call in at 514-790-0800. Some people like to email me during the week, and that's fine too. Lori at drlori.com or just go to my website, drlori.com, and fill out the uh, the contact sheet there. Uh, so please send in whatever questions you have. And if you want to add something to the discussion, so whatever uh, I'm answering, if you have something you want to add, please feel free. I find it very helpful and our listeners and people who uh, write in also find it very helpful to get feedback from others who may have been in that situation or who have maybe a different perspective uh, to offer. Remember, I'm just one person uh, one perspective, and sometimes I may miss certain things in, in answering a question. So feel free to jump in at any time. Let's start with this one. I have two teenage boys. They both have girlfriends. What do I need to tell them about sex? So I'm hoping that, um, I, I, I believe you're asking this question, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because you think that they may be getting close to uh, being sexual. So I'm hoping that you've had conversations with them for years now, hopefully, uh, about about sexuality in general and making it a climate in the home where they could talk to you about it or express this. So, But there's a couple of things that I think should be included uh, in discussing sexuality and sexual wellness and sexual health with um, teenagers. I think uh, telling them that when they decide to be sexual, they should consider these things. And some of you may disagree with me and may disagree with this approach. I personally like this approach. Uh, And there's really four things that uh, concern me and that I think should concern kids and will help them make good decisions when it comes to sexuality. Remember that you can tell them not to, but that isn't going to necessarily change their um, behavior. You can say, listen, I would hope that you would wait until your whatever age you feel is, uh, you know, appropriate or what have you, uh, but they're still going to do what they're going to do. And you still want to make sure that, uh, that they're safe. And it's interesting because the studies are, are showing that, you, you know, we can give them the information. It's true, but their behaviors, it, it's not going to change the fact that they're going to have sex. What you want is for them to make, uh, better decisions when they do have sex. So, One of the main things I would talk to teenagers, especially, well, boys and girls really, is uh, uh, number one is consent. Make sure that there is, uh, that you tell them consent means no pressure, no shaming, no coercion ever at any point in your sex activity, sexual activity. I'm not just talking about intercourse, but all along the way. Uh, let them know that if they feel pressured themselves or uncomfortable in a situation, that they can do whatever it takes to get out of that situation and that they can call you and feel free to call you and that you will come and get them, whether they're boys or girls, right? Uh, the second thing is condoms. 
uh, talk to them about condoms and I would go so far as telling them that they are available, that you have bought some and they are in the, you know, whatever location they are. They're in the bathroom in this area so that they know uh, because oftentimes teenagers uh, a, may not have the money to buy condoms, are embarrassed to go buy condoms, don't want to ask their parents for money to buy condoms. So um, I would include them and make them available. I would also talk to them about lubrication. I know this is one that, you know, probably in sex ed classes, they don't really talk about that. The next two that I'm going to talk about, they don't really mention all that much. But uh, the reason why I want to talk about lubrication is that, um, oftentimes when, uh, when younger people are having sex or it's early in their sexual relationships, uh, women may not lubricate as much. And so with less lubrication, uh, increases the risk of condoms breaking. So, uh, you might, so you tell them about using some lubricant, uh, and make those, make that available too. just have it there so that they, that they know. Uh, and finally, the one thing that people don't like to address very much is that of pleasure. Uh, why do you think they're having sex? Of course, because it's pleasurable and you want them to experience it positively. So to have pleasure, com a comfort level is important and responsible sex. So when it's engaged mm -hmm. in a responsible manner, it is far more comfortable and, uh, and more, uh, relaxing, uh, just tell them sexual responsibility leads to better sex. And then, um, so this is how you, you know, they want to be good lovers. This is what they worry about. So you tell them with all of these things, this is how to help you become, um, good partners and, and good sexual partners. Does anyone else want to add anything to, to this uh, list in terms of things that they must know? So I talked about consent, condoms, lubrication, and pleasure. Anything else you think teenage boys should know when they venture out there? I mean, obviously there's a, a whole lot more information, but as a parent, those are the, the you want to get those messages um, you want to get that message across 514-800. If you would like to text in uh, a question, you're more than welcome to, or you can put in your two cents as well. Uh, this question by email, what is the best position for women to increase the chances of orgasm during penetration? That's a really good question. Um, you know that I've said this many, many times, that three quarters of women uh, are not orgasmic or at least not consistently orgasmic uh, during intercourse, right? Um, but a lot of women are concerned, a lot of guys are concerned, and they want their, uh, their partners to, to be able to, uh, to climax that way. So it may not be possible, but there are three positions during intercourse where you could provide direct clitoral stimulation or clitoral massage in a, in a much easier way, right? So one is woman on top where, uh, the man lies on his back, legs together. It's the woman who straddles him and she lowers herself onto him. And by this, she has control 
where she can either massage her own clitoris by hand or use a vibrator. Um, another thing, what you want to do is provide pressure between on the pelvic area. So applying pressure to the clitoral area. So he, for example, can make a fist and place it at the, like just between their uh, pelvises. And this way she can lean forward and leans into it at the same time. So it's just a question of applying pressure. I'm going to give you the, uh, another couple of, um, sexual positions that work well for women to increase the chances of having an orgasm during penetration. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito answering your questions tonight. So, uh, one of the questions I was answering is what is the best position for women to increase their chances of orgasm during penetration? So the first one I talked about was uh, woman on top with an added, uh, with using either a partner's hand or their own hand to in- increase the stimulation to the clitoris. And one way is to put, you can put a, uh, um, a wrist, uh, not a wrist, um, uh, what do you call it? Oh my goodness. Where's my, my word, uh, a fist rather between the two pelvises or even a ball, like one of those scrunchy balls, uh, just to provide more contact and more direct contact, uh, to the clitoral area. Some women like that pressure. So it all depends on each person will figure it out for themselves. The other one is rear entry position, which, uh, commonly known as, uh, basically as doggy style. Also, where uh, you have easy access to the clitoris with uh, a hand. Uh, spooning is another one where you have access to that. Um, man on top in the missionary position, but with a technique. That, I don't know if you've ever heard of the coital alignment technique. It's called the cat technique. So it's man on top intercourse, right? Um but there's a, a slight variation. The, the adjustment is that the, um, it and more than in just the standard missionary position and a little bit to one side. So a little forward to one side. So his chest is over one of her shoulders. And this actually allows, uh, the pubic bone to contact the other pubic bone in a much more, uh, easier fashion, and then provides more direct contact and more grinding action. So that's the kind of thing that, uh, that tends to work and, or use that salt that the, the, like the Nerf ball or a hacky sack or something that you put between the, uh, the woman's clitoris and the man's, uh, pelvis. If a person likes that kind of touch, right. With that kind of, um, that kind of pressure. 514-800, you can send in your questions tonight uh, or your comments. How do I know if my girlfriend had an orgasm? I often get questions from women like how, I think I had that last week, like how do I know if I've had an orgasm? And I get that question from a lot of uh, men as well because men generally, they want to help women have orgasms. They feel good when their partner is, uh, is climaxing because it increases their sexual, uh, 
self-esteem. So oftentimes, though, they just don't know what it's supposed to look like. Okay, and here comes the age-old question, did you come? Did you come? Uh, You shouldn't really uh, have to ask, especially if you're taking your time and providing uh, lots of stimulation and foreplay and all of that. But, uh, so what do women's orgasms look like? Most of them begin with uh, quickening of the breath, uh, usually accompanied with some some facial uh, changes, uh, some gasping, a little bit of moaning. Uh, and then it's followed by a few seconds of very fast Uh, contractions, involuntary contractions of the muscles around the vulva and the anus, so the whole pelvic floor area, with uh, convulsive movements of the hips and sometimes of of the whole body. And then it it ends with uh, a relaxation, a feeling of uh, relaxation and uh, contentment. So men can actually feel... Uh, the vaginal uh, contractions, especially if, um, especially during oral sex, for example, they can feel it probably more than with uh, with intercourse. Five one four eight hundred. Do you uh, have any questions for me? I'd be very happy to answer them. I'm a guy and I have pain during sex. What? could be going on. So I'm assuming you're talking about sex during uh, intercourse. I, mean, I don't have much information there, but I can tell you, uh, I'd read a study that showed that about 7% of men reported some pain uh, during intercourse. And there can be many, many different causes of this, including things like anxiety, depression, chafing on the penis, could be prostatitis, so depending on how old you are, which uh, of course this would require you going to uh, the doctor. Could be a herpes, it could be other sexually transmitted infections. Um, it could be um, uh, priapism. Priapism is when you have a, a long sustained uh, erection, which is un- like an unusually long erection. Uh, they usually say, you know, if an erection lasts more than four hours, you should uh, go to the emergency. It could be a tight foreskin, which is, uh, we call that phimosis. So where the foreskin kind of fuses or doesn't fully retract from the head of the penis. It could be from having uh, a curved, uh, like erection when, but that's another condition. Every man has a slight curve but like a, a more pronounced curve, which would be uh, Peroni's disease. Again, so all of these could be medical uh, conditions, and men with sexual pain should absolutely uh, consult with their, uh, their GPs and possibly get a referral uh, for, um, for a urologist. Your doctor may send you to see a urologist and unless of course it's psychological and then doesn't mean the pain is psychological uh, but it could be due to to something else but you want to rule out anything medical uh, anytime there's any kind of uh, any kind of pain uh, texture writes are three ways that good who wants to answer that who's had uh, menage a trois and wants to answer are three ways 
that good. Well, I can tell you they're that good in fantasy uh, often, and I have heard from people who have made their fantasies a reality that they're not that good in reality. Some people will tell you, yes, that they, they, they were great experiences, and others will tell you that they were disappointed. Why? Because in a fantasy, everything goes swimmingly, right? Everything is perfect. It's just how you want it. There's no other people's emotions in there, no drama, no no nothing. It's just pure sex and that's it. But in real life, depending on who that third party is or what have you, you can't account for all the things that could happen. In a fantasy, you control for it. In real life, you don't control for it, like how your partner might react, how you might react seeing your partner with someone else, for example, or uh, the other person the, the, the third party that you bring in, how are they going to be with you? And, and, all kind, and, and sometimes the sex is better than in your fantasies and sometimes it's uh, not nearly what it is in your fantasies. So sometimes you have to kind of uh, uh, be careful what you wish for. And uh, it will, for some people, once you act out a fantasy, the, the, the fantasy holds no more weight. In other words, it's, it's like, okay, that fantasy is gone now, now that it's been... Uh, realized. So you got to think about that as well. At 20 years old, is it okay for a girl to have frequent dates? I feel as if people just assume that if you have many dates, that means you are sleeping around. So amazing to me that we still have this double standard and that young women are uh, still concerned. You wouldn't get that from a guy, would you? You think a guy would write in and saying, you know, is it okay for a guy to have frequent dates and that people would just assume that he was sleeping around? Or would that be a negative thing? Here I'm taking it as a negative thing. Maybe on the guy side it wouldn't be. And we still have, unfortunately, that uh, that double standard around. So uh, this is what dating is about. Like you can have many, you can have many dates. Um, people today, uh, because of all the dating apps and what have you go on, can go on frequent dates. It doesn't mean that they're having sex with everybody. They may choose to have sex. That's their choice. Um, but be less concerned what people think and uh, more about how you feel with your own actions and be okay and comfortable with the choices that you make. And if you choose to uh, sleep with somebody that you go on a date with, that's entirely your decision. Just make sure that you're making that decision and that you're not feeling pressured into it, that you're not feeling um, ashamed into it or coerced, as I talked about early in the program. A texter writes in, uh, chimes in on the threesome question. Uh, I've been in threesomes and foursomes, one guy, three girls, and two guys, two guys, and every time I felt awkward and wanted it to end. Well, there's uh, thank you for your honesty here. Uh, I think it's important for people to understand that, that sometimes what's in our head is far more appealing and f far more uh, arousing than in real life. So, you know, when you feel awkward, you think you're going to perform when you feel awkward and when you're just waiting for something to end? No, that's anxiety provoking. And that's not part of your fantasy, that anxiety. Absolutely not. Uh, coming up, 
gentlemen looking for some guidance with uh, premature ejaculation, the most uh, one of the most common problems that I hear about uh, from men. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that. And if you have any questions for me or you want to talk something out with about your relationship, you can do that as well. Five one four eight hundred or call in at five one four seven nine zero zero eight hundred. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. All right, question for you, or question for me, rather, that I will answer. I'm looking for some guidance with a PE problem, premature ejaculation, that has become unbearable. My wife and I are both at wit's end. My performance time is less than 10 seconds. I've already sought help from a urologist. He prescribed an antidepressant. This did work, but it had some rough side effects. Um, I took a break from the pills for a few months, started back on them, but the side effects were, uh, were back again. Is there anything else we could do? So let me give you what the typical exercise program for premature ejaculation is. And I have to tell you with persistence, patience, and cooperation from your partner, there's really no reason why this wouldn't work. So number one, you have to learn deep breathing exercises. So you have to learn to relax your body through deep breathing. So that's the very first thing you want to do is the deep breathing. The second uh, step to that is practice through masturbation. So first you masturbate using no lubricant and you, you do the stop and start technique, meaning that you get to the point right before your point of no return where you, it's just, you have no choice, but it's going to go. So you've got to really focus on how your penis is feeling so that you catch that point of no return. So right before that, you just stop. You stop stimulating. You take a few deep breaths. Then you start up again. And you stop again. You start up again. When you've mastered this a little bit, you move on to masturbation with lubricant. Uh, And you do that same stop start. When you're with your partner, now you have your partner masturbate you one without lube once you get that then with lube okay always practicing the stopping and the starting then you move on to oral sex where your partner performs oral sex on you and again where you have to signal to for your partner to stop so that you first you have to recognize of course that point of no return and then stop right before starting again stopping again and then you move on to intercourse. Obviously this is going to require weeks of practice and that co- and, and to have cooperation from your partner. All right. It's not a, nobody should take this personally. Your partner shouldn't take this personally. It's nobody's fault. Men often learn to come this way to, to, uh, ejaculate quickly. Uh, and so this is, this is the basic exercises to go one step further is to employ what's called the squeeze technique, which is the stopping, starting, but also squeezing the head of the between your two fingers. And this will also 
um, reduce the sensation to, to ejaculate. So that's, that's part of the exercise uh, program as well. Uh, question of 514-800, I have a hard time coming with my girlfriend when we have sex. I used to masturbate a lot while watching porn. So what's probably happening here is that you uh, got used to one form of, uh, of stimulation. So I hear from a lot of guys too, that they, um, you're not the first one, believe me, uh, where they have intercourse and then they have to finish themselves off. That's the only way that they can do it. It's, it's because they have developed this habit, uh, and this one way of feeling the sensation that, that gets them there. So if this is bothering you or bothering your girlfriend, maybe what you can do is, uh, stop masturbating for a while and start getting used to a different form of, uh, of stimulation. You might want to ask your partner as well to do, uh, some Kegel exercises, meaning to tighten her uh, vaginal muscles around your penis, if that will increase some of the uh, the friction as well. So that's something that, um, that could be helpful. I've been in two threesomes with guys. I didn't know. I didn't like it because I felt under pressure and I would have preferred if the men engaged with each other. And since they did not, it wasn't so hot. In my first experience, there was a younger guy that was waiting for the guys. And I told him I wanted him involved. He was sweet and gentle, unlike the others. We ended up cuddling together and he made that experience bearable. My second experience, I ended up crying and the guy inside me continued. Eesh, talk about uh, the issues of consent here, right? Uh, this was my wild 20s and at least I learned from these experiences, especially regarding what brings me pleasure and to know what things makes me vulnerable and to avoid around strangers, alcohol, drugs, secluded places. You bring up some very good points here. Alcohol and drugs, unfortunately, are, and mix that with sex or environments where uh, sex is potential, is a, a potential, then yes, that could be uh, a recipe for disaster and also a recipe for non-consensual sex and not being able to extricate yourself from uh, a situation or lowers your inhibition so much that you ha don't have, you have less of an ability to uh, stand your ground or be firm about what you want or fight anybody off or what have you. So, um, thank you for sharing. I'm sure that those were painful experiences uh, for you. Uh, but again, people uh, beware, right? Think about this. I have a very tight foreskin and have never been able to pull it over the head of the penis. Should I get circumcised for this or leave it? So if you have a very tight foreskin, my guess is you also have possibly painful erections. If your, if your foreskin doesn't retract, uh, then it might be causing you pain. So if this is something that is causing pain and also, unfortunately, if you can't retract the foreskin, you also can't clean it properly, uh, which could lead to infections and could make you more vulnerable to sexually transmitted infections, for example. 
Have this examined by your doctor or ask for a referral to a urologist who will tell you if a circumcision uh, will be necessary. A lot of men do go through um, adult circumcisions because of this uh, very problem. Is five and a half inches the average length? Uh, because when I'm soft, I'm only about a thumb length, but when hard, I'm almost seven inches. And I always thought I was below average. You see, this is the problem, right? When you see other men's penises, like in a locker room, for example, they are not in an erect state. So you're comparing your small flaccid penis to maybe others who are bigger in their uh, unaroused state. But erections are known as the great equalizers because you might have a thumb length, so two inches uh, when not erect, next to a guy who has a five inch uh, penis that's non-erect, but with erection, you both will reach the seven inches. So, uh, but five and a half is the average erect penis size. That's, you got that right. That's about right. So you are definitely not below average. You are average to the rest of the world. Uh, coming up, answering a question about a woman who can have orgasms on her own, but no luck when with a partner. with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Tonight uh, it is uh, Trouble Tuesdays, so uh, the night I answer all of your questions about love, sex, and relationships. 514-800 is number to uh, text in or 514-790-0800. Let's see... I have, I can have up to four orgasms on my own without my partner. When with my guy, I am unable to orgasm. Why is this? Great show. Uh, Okay, so I don't know if you've heard me talk about this. I've certainly talked about it many times on the air, and I've said this. About uh, three-quarters of women are unable or can't or with difficulty or at least not consistently have orgasms uh, with intercourse. So there's no problem. This makes you perfectly normal. Uh, You're orgasmic. So you know that uh, usually when uh, with the female masturbation, it's all about uh, clitoral stimulation and women need that clitoral stimulation. And again, um, I'll just repeat back. You can uh, find different positions that give you access or easier access for you or your partner to stimulate the clitoris at the same time or positions where you grind your pelvis into your partner more. And this will provide uh, more stimulation and may increase your likelihood of having an orgasm through penetration. But you know what? It's not something you should worry about. It's not something you, if, if that's what you're looking for and that becomes your goal, then you lose sight of the whole sexual experience. Foreplay is far more important uh, for women. So you make sure that you speak up, tell your partner what it is that you like and what kind of stimulation you like, and that's what he or she uh, should do. 
I've recently experienced a series of squirting with a new partner. The feeling was, uh, was of an amazing release. My question is whether squirting equates orgasm. Yes, usually um, this is accompanied by or it's followed by or whatever you want to call it. It comes along with an orgasm, uh, but it's just a different... Uh, it, it comes from a different type of stimulation. So this is when uh, your uh, the stimulation of the paraurethral glands. It's there's um, a spongy area about two inches in the vagina on the outside wall. When pressed or massaged, for some women, uh, this is a, a very uh, stimulating, exper- arousing experience for them, and this stimulates the production uh, from the paraurethral urethral glands, uh, which then produce this liquid, which is not urine, which is, of course, not semen, because women don't have that, uh, but does come out of the urethra. And it is associated with what we normally would call a G-spot orgasm. So it's stimulation of that, uh, that area. 514-800, you still have a couple of minutes left if you want to put in a question or your two cents. Hi, Dr. Laurie. My boyfriend has always had an issue with getting an erection, and I feel he does not want me. Help. Uh, so I'm not sure why. I'm, well, it's not that I'm not sure. I, I guess I, yes, I know why. But women often blame themselves right away. It must be me. He must not be attracted to me. Uh, He must not find me desirable. There's something wrong with me. Except that in 99% of the cases that I hear of of this issue, it has nothing to do with the partner and everything to do with uh, the guy and often has to do with performance anxiety in many ways. So if there is a a pressure to get that erection, self-imposed does not even have to be coming from uh, from their partner. Uh, but I would want to find out like, what is the issue? Uh, open it up, open the discussion up. What, what's going on rather than take it personally. Cause oftentimes then guys worry that their partners are going to take it personally. So your disappointment will show on your face. Your sadness will show on your face. And then they start avoiding sex because they don't want to risk it. They don't, they know it's not about you, but they don't know how to transmit that to you. Uh, and they just want to avoid that, that uh, disappointing their partners. So over time, they start to avoid sexual contact or it just makes the performance anxiety worse, like the erectile dysfunction worse because it increases their level of anxiety, that kind of pressure. So having a discussion, talking to your partner openly and saying, look, um, I, I'm pretty sure this has nothing to do with me, but why don't we figure this out together so we can have a fulfilling sex life? And, uh, you know, if you hear from him that, yes, he's nervous, yes, he's anxious, then say, you know what? We don't have to have intercourse. It's okay. Let's just play together. Let's just massage each other. Let's like take the pressure off of the guy having to have this erection to, to be able to, to, to do anything right. And, and to, perform. So that's where I would go, uh, with that. Can HPV human papillomavirus be transmitted from contact 
with toilet seat surfaces to genital areas. No, it is skin to skin, genital skin to skin contact. You do not get it from um, a toilet seat. Uh, and a follow-up question, does HPV heal on its own or does it have to be treated? So sometimes many of the strains will disappear on their own. Some of the strains will cause genital warts, which will have to be treated and be removed. And some of the strains, which will show no symptoms, may develop into cervical cancer, um, which is why the way to avoid that for women is to have regular pap tests, regular pap tests every two years or so. Uh, after you've become sexually active. If the, the pap test checks for cells in the cervix, and if the cells are come back as abnormal, then they usually redo another test. But uh, if they come back as abnormal, what they do is they burn off. There's a procedure done that takes off that uh, layer of abnormal cells, essentially getting rid of the virus in, in that way. Now, some cases can be a little more complicated, uh, but these should be, this is why the pap tests are so vital and so important. Even though cervical cancer is rare and most of the women who have died of cervical cancer uh, have, uh, many of them have neglected their pap tests, have not been screened uh, and so have not been uh, able to protect themselves. Do you need to wear a condom when making love with the breasts? So penis between breasts, um, I would say no. You would not have to uh, not have to wear a condom as long as uh, it's genital to genital um, touching. Unless you no, you wouldn't have to. Um, and of course, as long as the uh, the bodily fluids stay in the body or uh, don't go in, into any orifices or uh, any cuts or anything of that nature. So I think that's about all the questions uh, we have for tonight. Thank you, guys. Uh, listen, you can always email me your questions anytime to laurie at drlaurie.com. I answer your questions at the beginning of every show, although Tuesdays, I, you know, I do spend the hour with you on, on answering your questions, but I'm happy to answer them. Just, uh, I don't say your name or anything like that. Just email me your question, listen in, and, uh, you'll hear them, uh, you'll hear them answered. Tomorrow night, we have our BDSM panel in our kink panel. We'll see what's in store for you, uh, what they've got to bring up uh, to you tomorrow night. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. Thank you for all of your questions and your texts. Thanks to our technical producer, Chris, tonight. You can connect with me on all social medias at Dr. Lori Batito. My last name spelled B-E-T-I-T-O. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.